Okay, hi, welcome back to the Being Human cast. I'm Andy. And I'm Lisa. And uh, we have no Susie. Um, nope. Nope, Susie is um, extremely busy. Uh, in fact, I think the last conversation I had with Susie was just proper conversation was before DragonCon, where she contacted me to say, look, really sorry, can't make it DragonCon now. See, it's come up. I'm, I'm no, got to go. Boom, bye. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't really spoken to her since. So oh no, that's about yeah. We had these great big plans to go to DragonCon. She and I were gonna yep. drive together and everything, and then neither one, both of us, ended up having other stuff that came up, and we couldn't go. Like right, literally right at the last minute, and uh, I was really sad. So for those of you wondering who this strange person is, who you probably may have <laughs> recognised from the slightly not too subtle hints I made um, a mini episode ago. Um, Lisa is now joining us as a third shiny member of our of our crew. Um, so, yes. hello. Um, hello. And uh, it, it's part of the things that's really annoying about DragonCon was that, um, and why we've been a bit all over the place recently, is that I knew that these months were going to be busy, but the intention always was, was that Susie and I were going to spend a whole bunch of time together at DragonCon, and we'd be able to sit in the same room, and we'd be able to record, rather than it being all over Skype, and we'd record like a whole load of episodes, like three or four episodes, and do like right. a DragonCon special type thing. And then we'd have all those ready, you know, and then we'd have lots of stuff in the can to cover us over this manic back end of the year time. Um, and also I'd have got to meet Lisa as well. Yeah. I know, and then none of that happened, unfortunately. So yeah, this this has just not been a fun year, but it's almost over. So yay! Yay! Nearly Christmas. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and while I think about the sort of Christmas, I will mention it again near the time. But I think we are planning to have a little mini Christmas break. I know we've only just sort of come back from being on a bit of a break, but we are planning to actually have a proper planned break around about Christmas time. So okay. But, uh, um. So the intention today is uh, we're going to talk about episode four of season two but um i mean lisa do you want to quickly give us your thoughts on i mean the um as quick as succinctly as you can the nine episodes that we previously discussed that you weren't here for <laughs> so. my my thoughts as quickly as i can yes um well i kind of came to it out of order um because i started watching it uh later on in season two and um and then went back and watched the first season so that was probably a little bit different than most people um getting into it but i don't i don't know if i have really any thoughts about well i guess the big question the question that uh um, I've got to ask you because I, I know that a lot of people saw it coming, and Susie and I didn't. Was uh, did you figure out that um, who Professor Jagget was before the big reveal at the end of the last episode, episode three? Um, well, I actually because I had seen it later. I think um, episode five of season two was actually the first episode that I watched. Ah, so I already so you came knew. in after. So yeah, so it wasn't a big reveal to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I remember um, what going back and watching it with Susie and her, you know, being confused watching episode five, and then she went back and watched um, episode three and episode four. Yeah. And you know, and, and so seeing her sort of, um, re, you know, 
come to that realization. Yeah, because I, I was quite <laughs> cruel because um, <laughs> I, I told Susie she wasn't allowed to go and watch episodes until we were near and afraid to record them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, at least if she did, she had to write down after each one what her reactions were. And then I'd make her tell us stuff at the start of the recording about what she thought. You know, so it was quite amusing listening to things that she thought were going to happen. Oh my god! uh, Oh, we've been joined by the dogs. Yes, that's Susie's dog. I don't know why he's barking. Uh, Well, we normally get contributions from various members of Susie's uh, pet family. Um, That that is normal, and actually, in fact, they quite often know more than us. So, oh, I would not doubt that. Yeah. So, um, okay, cool. Well, I think we've we've wandered on enough. So uh, we'll go for a promo now. And when we come back, we'll start talking about uh, episode four. Awesome. Welcome to the audio novella Title Fight. And in this corner, the authors with a combined weight of 446 fighting pounds. Mad Dog, Matt Wallace, and Scott, the future dog overlord Sigler, the tag team champions of the world. This audio novella contains harsh language, adult situations, and a rather disturbing amount of violence. Let's get ready to rumble! Title Fight is a 10-part novella written by Parsec award-winning author Matt Wallace and New York Times best-selling novelist Scott Sigler. Set in Sigler's The Rookie Universe, Title Fight is mixed martial arts cage fighting in the far future where a lethal human contender challenges an undefeated alien champion. The bell will ring, the blood will fly, but only one can leave with the galactic heavyweight belt. Patiobooks.com slash title fight. So, what have we got left to look forward to? Us refugees. The flotsam and jetsam of death. Maybe. If we still deserve such a thing as mercy, we find each other. Okay, and we're back from the promo. And uh, so, episode four. So, I mean, for me, I think things are, to some extent, episode four, it's a bit like, you know, if things are too good to be true, then they normally are too good to be true, you know. Um, Right. So trying to give a quick recap, I guess, and we'll probably wander off vaguely. The whole thing starts um, with George in a... I think George is in a pretty happy mood because he's made his list. Yes, lists. Yeah, lists are good. And... uh, (laughs) George is very happy that he now has a list and he's going to work down his list. And one of the first things he decides is that what do you do with a wild, you know, a wild animal? You put it in a cage. And uh, George decides to go off to buy this cage. And I just think it's brilliant <laughs> that there's George off trying to buy his cage, and there's the bloke, you know, like hey, you know, like how big, do you, you know, are the animals? Because I need to know the size of the bars and. And George is trying to describe, and the man's like, what do you mean about the size of a person? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, don't worry, we have lots of people from the SMN community, you know, it's fine. (laughs) Here, here have these free handcuffs. And 
And George's like, yes, it's a sex cage. That's exactly what I want. I want a sex cage. And, exactly. And then you get the bit where he comes back to the house and he's been speaking to the guy about soundproofing dungeons and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> my God, is the whole of Bristol depraved? Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just brilliant. But the thing is, it's, it's, what I love about that is you sit and you think, well, you know, in that situation, he needs to try and get his room soundproofed and the cage put in without anybody thinking that there's something strange going on. And actually, him just making out the fact that he's into kinky sex is <laughs> is the best possible thing he can say because no one will think anything of it. You know? <laughs> right. And uh, no, it's just. I, and then he has to ask Annie if he can swap rooms because he needs a bigger room to put his cage in. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, and then he was it. He decides on his list he's going to go get himself a job. You know, yes. And, uh, I, well, I have I found a screen cap of the list, and so I have ooh. the first time. The first time he shows the list, it's um, let's see. Number one is buy a cage. Okay. Number two is get a better job. <laughs> Number three is soundproof room. Number four is eat a better diet. Number five is get fit, and number six is polish shoes. Okay. So, <laughs> and then later on in the episode, he shows the list again to Mitchell, and it has eight things on it. But the last two things, I can't, I couldn't really see what they were, and I couldn't find a screen cap of that uh, picture. So I don't know what the last two things are. Well, but, there you um, go. If you're listening to this and you know what the last two <laughs> things on the list were. Yes. Then well, let one us of them, what, number seven, had to do with the tranquilizers because he marked that off when Mitchell. Oh, gave probably him like the get drugs. Probably was number seven. Something or yeah. Yeah. Some something to knock out the wolf or something like that. Probably. Yeah. Oh, because number eight. If you know what number eight is, mm. I'm dying to know. Okay, we need to find out what number eight is. Please help. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because I, you can tell George is a bit more confident himself because he's using his intellect a bit more because there's that whole bit of banter in Mitchell where um, he's like, Mitchell saying, what do you think of Lucy? And he's like, well, you know, she's out of your league. And, uh, you know, and she must be on drugs. He's like, no, she's a doctor. <laughs> and, you know, she, she has access to any drugs. She's like, ah, so she is on drugs. <laughs> right. And uh, it's just great. It's just George confident and, um, you know, and it's good to see because you see so much of George when he's basically um, full of remorse and down on himself and seeing a happy George may, gives you a bit of a hint of what maybe George was like before all this happened to him when he was right. you know, essentially a bright, intelligent young man with a very promising future ahead of him and before all that was, was taken away. And uh, I guess it's part of the the tragedy of this episode this episode really is all about as far as i i feel this episode's all about setting them up for the fall you know it's yeah it's making them think that they're through the worst and things can only get better from here um and uh how wrong they are oh yeah i mean (laughs) should we should we just stick with george i guess and see that through and then we'll okay, come back sure. talk about Annie because I guess there's there's the two storylines in this really um, so yeah so George goes for his job interview with that horrible <laughs> bloke it's like a I don't know if he's like a headmaster or a principal or what really his role is or if he's just another teacher who happens to be in charge I couldn't really tell from the episode what uh, he 
Yeah, I, don't, I think he's some kind of, he's like the administrator, chief executive type. But I think he does teach, but he's predominantly there to run the language school. Um, so, I mean, do you um, do you have language schools in the US? Um, I don't, we probably do. I don't, I'm sure, well, there are programs. I don't think there are actually schools I mean, what, that are yeah. language schools, but they, but there are programs where people can go, you know, to learn English as a second language and stuff like that. Okay. Well, I mean, what most language schools are predominantly for in the UK anyway is you get, um, so you get, you know, migrant workers or people that have come on, you know, come to the UK as asylum seekers or for immigration or whatever, who don't speak English and they will go to a language school purely to learn English so that they can uh, fit into, you know, into society and be able to interact and get things because generally speaking, most people in the UK are pretty useless at speaking foreign languages. Um, We just are. Um, So, um, yeah, if you come to the UK, you need to speak English. That's really the hint. Um, So... (laughs) I probably just offended the few people that do speak foreign languages, but I'm sorry, the rest of us, you know, I mean, I speak a little bit of French and a little bit of German and about half a dozen words of Spanish and stuff, but most of my foreign language skills are predominantly of use for getting hotel rooms and ordering dinner. And that's about <laughs> it. So um, That's more than I have, so. Yeah. but So that's what the language school is. So basically it's, um, you know, he's being paid to teach uh, people who are foreign to the UK English. That that's essentially his his job. Um, so it's not like he's a language teacher in a university or a college teaching a foreign language or you know in that perspective. It's. I mean, as the guy says, why do you want to work here? It's like the. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a not the sort of job that someone as qualified as George would probably be going and doing in any other circumstance. So right. Um, but you know he goes gets the job and uh, um, and he meets Thingy Sam. Thank you. So, so. <laughs> now I do have a side note on that mm. on her. I I just recently was going back watching this episode to record this uh, podcast episode, yeah. and you never actually um, they never actually say what her name is in the episode. And I had forgotten what her name was, but I was watching it with closed captioning. And so the closed captioning actually had her name in a dialogue scene. So it showed okay. like her, like Sam and then her her yeah. dialogue. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is her name. So I thought it was interesting that they, you never actually find out what her name is in that episode. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. Um, but, um, yeah, but it's yeah, Sam. I mean, the, actu- <laughs> the actress that plays Sam... Don't ask me her name. You know, it's me. Can I remember names? Um, but um, <laughs> she's on UK TV at the moment in Casualty, which is a long-running okay. uh, hospital drama that's been on forever. So <laughs> I mean, it has Casualty's been on for years and 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 years. Um, but she's in, she's playing a nurse in Casualty at the moment because um, I spotted on. I was like. I recognise her. Where do I know her from? It was really bugging me. And then it dawned on me who she was. I was like, ah, it's... So. Um, awesome. But yeah, so I he meets love when Sam. That and Molly, obviously. And yes. uh, it, it's interesting that, you know, when he meets Molly, and I can't remember if he meets Molly in this episode or not, 
No, he uh, he sees the um the picture of Molly, Molly on uh, okay. the computer, but he didn't actually meet her in until this the next one. So okay, I won't right. talk too much about Molly. Yeah, but um, but obviously yeah, he meets Sam. And there's obviously that attraction to start with. And is it this episode where his computer records get deleted by accident? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she goes to pull the file from behind him, and he starts to kiss her, and then she kind of pulls back, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." You know, I didn't mean to do that. And she said, no, actually, I put that file behind you. And to be honest, I deleted your, 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 <laughs> the computer didn't crash so much as I pressed delete on your file. <laughs> yeah. And, and I positioned the file so that you had to. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> so, she's a sneaky woman. So. Yes. But, uh, but no, I mean, and I, I don't know this. I mean, we can talk about more about Sam and, uh, and George, but, you know, I, I actually thought they made quite a nice couple, and I think it's a shame in a way that that wasn't allowed to go further than it did. But what? and because and in a way he was pretty, you know, okay, it's a later episode, but when that ends, it's he's pretty crappy towards her, really. Right. Know? Well, um, really, I w- I mean, I, I I like Sam. She was a nice enough character, and they they are a cute couple. But I was just so floored by the fact that you know nina has just left oh he's still on the rebound yeah completely yeah so he's starting to you know he's starting sort of a relationship with sam and it just seemed so it just seemed way too soon it's also for me yeah i mean maybe point eight on his list is get family because that's true he's he's, (laughs) get a new girlfriend yeah his normal view of the world is you know um him partner house kids yeah, dog, you know, whatever, you know, he wants to go from, okay, I want to catch it. He wants to catch up for lost time. And the, and I think to some extent, what Sam provides him with is a way of catching up those years he's missed. Because all of a sudden he can now jump straight into, you know, having a family life with a child. Um, That's true. You know, so I think she ticks, a, she ticks an item on his list to some extent. Um, but yeah, it's way too soon, and he really isn't emotionally in a state able to properly commit to that relationship. Um, right. But I know we're, we're digressing, so we can talk more about Molly and uh, and Sam at a later point in time. But the bit I was, in case I forget it later on, is uh, I know it's in a later episode, but there's the whole bit where she's stuck at home because she can't afford to move into her own place, and with George's help. She gets her own place, and I always wonder what happened when George walked away. You right. know, how do financially does she carry on keeping Molly in that nice home that she's moved Molly into, or does George still in some way help, or what? You know, yeah, it's just I don't. Know, it's just the way my mind works. I always wonder what happened <laughs> to that thread in terms right. of you know, does she end up having to move back in with her mom again, which would have been a, you know. An extra kick in the teeth, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) So, um, and I think, I mean, so that's that's pretty much, to some extent, the the main part of Sam and George. The main thing, really, with George is that uh, he he tames the beast. You know, he cages himself up. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's happy and he's got his videotape of the most beautiful thing in the world, a sleeping (laughs) werewolf. And then it all starts to spiral out of control. And, uh, and, and it starts off, 
you know, with the his Tourette's and everything else. Oh God, just completely forgotten. There's um, I love the bit as well where his students want him to teach them to swear. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he for, at first he thinks that they're playing with him, and then they're like, oh, no, you know, that's something no one ever tells us about. So he says, for 10 minutes every lesson, I'm going to teach you about swearing. Yeah, and to some extent, he's right. It is a part of language. It's colloquial language, but it is part of language. And, you know, in a weird way, he's right <laughs> to do that, but obviously his boss doesn't think so. Um, right. But there's a bit in the bathroom, isn't there, where uh, his boss catches him <laughs> writing on the mirror because he's correcting. Yes. He's, it's correcting just so typically George. <laughs> he's not annoyed about the fact that it says Mr. Sand sucks cock. It's the fact that it's it's it's. <laughs> it says suck instead of sucks. Yes, it's like it's like oh, singular. <laughs> and he says, "Have I have I not taught you anything?" Yes, he's going about singular, <laughs> not plural, and all that sort of stuff. Right. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And he comes in, it's like, no, I'm not actually writing in the mirror, I'm just correcting the, uh, yeah, so, um, but, um, <laughs> oh, that's great, but no, the whole bit with the Tourette's and it all getting out of control and him swearing and everything else, and then finally when his, because um, he keeps, he keeps flying off the handle with, um, with um, Mitchell as well, doesn't he, and with Annie. Yes. Uh, all come and at first all, yeah, they sorry. they think oh that's fine. At first they um they were laughing like they thought they thought it was hysterical, and then that was making George even even angrier. So I thought that that was a pretty funny scene when he was kind of yelling at them for laughing at him, and it just made them laugh harder, and that was making him more upset. It was it was pretty funny. And you've got um and then. Obviously, with George, it all builds up to the point where his boss pushes him too far, and, and George steps over the line and just smacks him one. Um, <laughs> which, in part, you sort of can't help forgiving George for because his boss is not a complete git, really. Right. You know? And uh, he's horrible, and yeah. And he treats George badly because he clearly has designs on Sam for himself, which is just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, but um, but I think George himself. I mean, George is sobbing afterwards, isn't he? Because he just you know he he, he realizes that he he's tried his best to tame the wolf, and the wolf has come back and bitten him hard, right? You know, because of it. Um, and uh you know it's he's painfully aware of the consequences of the fact that you know whatever happens once a month he has to let the wolf out because if he doesn't you know it'll sneak into the rest of his life yeah so um but uh i guess circling back to the other part of the story now you got Annie and Sykes and Annie's dads <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and um, it's it's really I think it's a really nice Annie storyline. Uh -huh. um, I, I like the whole um, arc in this episode of Annie getting to know um, getting to know Sykes and learning about how to resist the men behind the door. Uh huh. Um, and it was kind of more 
it was more of the storyline that I was hoping to see when I went back and watched the first season. There's the mm-hmm. other, the ghost that, um, that Mitchell introduces her to mm-hmm. that ends up going through the door at the end. Yeah. And this was kind of the, more of the relationship that I'd wanted to see when that episode started, you know, her kind of getting close to him and then him kind of leaving at the end with the yeah. possibility of coming back. Yeah, Sykes was, I think, Sykes was much nicer, you know, <laughs> in terms of having that relationship, you know. I, I know exactly right. what you mean, you know. Um, and she helps Sykes resolve his issues and his demons and allows him to move on in his life, you know. Right. Um, so, uh, but, I mean, and there's some really poignant bits, the bit where she sat, you know, on the hillside and the Chiridoras and uh, and he asks her about that bloke and she starts laying into him about, you know, sad and desperate and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um, and then she realises yeah, about, you know, um, the tumour and stuff, and she's like, yes, oh no, you know. <laughs> um, and it's really poignant, that whole bit where, you know, she's like, oh my God, I must tell him, I must tell him, and he's like, no, no, I think he knows, you know. And yeah. uh, it's, it, it's there's a little bit of the tragedy then, of you think for Sykes, if how many years he's been able to see these things, and how, to some extent, pragmatic in a way he's become about what he can and can't realistically do with the information he's got, you know. Right. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, Annie really grows in strength for this episode. Um, I mean, obviously, we saw at the end of the first season um, what she was capable of when she was annoyed, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Where she goes and busts Mitchell out, basically. Because uh, let's face it, George isn't much use in the whole rescue thing. Uh, <laughs> it's mainly Annie. Um, but um, I think she really does grow. I think not just in terms of her abilities, but I think as an, an individual. I think she grows a lot from Sykes' influence throughout yeah, this episode. Yeah, definitely. Because um, to some extent, th- this leads on in the future episodes into the decisions he makes around helping others and stuff. So, but, um, that's, uh, we're, we're diving off again. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, there's much else. Oh, oh, there's the whole bit with Annie introducing her dads. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're both <laughs> acting. If it's yeah. okay with your two dads. Yeah. So yeah, my dad's, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they are, but it's so brilliantly played that you know you got Mitchell and George. Like, yeah, I quite like him. He's nice. You know, what are your intentions <laughs> towards Hanley? No, like... I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if that was a pop culture reference to the the show from like the late eighties, early nineties. My two dads. I don't no. know. If it was over there. Okay. No, I don't think so. I think it's literally just referenced the fact that they're like they do. Dads, yeah, M- Mitchell and George treat Annie like a little girl. <laughs> you know, and if you think yes. back to the episode where she decides to get the job in the pub, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> it's like you decide to get a job in the service industry. Well, what do you think is going to happen when someone versus your ghost? <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, and I did. I really liked um, the scene where um, Annie kind of takes Mitchell into the kitchen and asks, you know, like, "What's your problem?" And he's telling her to be careful. And um, I just thought that was really. 
really sweet. And yeah. um, and I'm I'm a big um, Mitchell and Annie chipper. So uh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. there was a point so that actually. I must admit. In I think Susan and I talked about this, and we were talking about season one. There was a few episodes where it, the storyline seemed to be majorly hinting. Yeah, that I there think was that's going to be I... some love interest between Mitchell and Annie. Yeah, I never really thought about it. And in that episode, at some point in the first season, where they accidentally kiss, where yeah. he was going to kiss her on the forehead and she moves her, I think that's when I started. And I was like, oh, that was so cute. And 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 it's probably never. I mean, and that the kind of guy that Mitchell is, he probably would never well, do anything. Well, as I think, but... as we said at the time, in a way, she is the perfect woman for him because it doesn't matter. Any woman that he's ever with, there's always the underlying risk or temptation that he might accidentally go too far and kill her. Well, you can't right. kill Annie, you know. She's already <laughs> right. dead. Um, any woman he's with is going to grow old unless he turns them. And but Annie's always going to remain the same age she is. So as long as Mitchell lives forever, Annie's going to live forever potentially with him. So right. that, you know... <laughs> So in terms of a a couple, they you know in terms of having that uh, that friendship and that relationship and stuff, realistically speaking, Annie and Mitchell will be around a lot longer than George. George will grow old and die, and you know Annie and Mitchell will be around for hundreds of years following their on, you know, right. and look uh, exactly the same as they do. And now. look exactly the same as they do now. And Annie, you know, Mitchell could see Annie, Annie could see Mitchell. As far as I can remember, Mitchell can, you know, can hold Annie. Um, yeah, it seems like he can still touch her and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know how far that would or wouldn't be able to go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, there is an element of, I was thought that she would be good for him, you know. Yeah. And the story did for a few episodes seem to elude that way, and then they seem to drop it, and it doesn't seem to have come back again since. And they just seem to be friends. Felt like they couldn't. I, I got the feeling that they they didn't. The, the showrunners, I guess, couldn't yeah. figure out a way to do it and make them still be a family. Because I think that's the one thing that also is a big draw for the show is that the three of them together as a family. Yeah. The you know, family is, unit, is, yeah, and, and if, I think it's and restricted and as well. Would get together, yeah, then it kind of makes it lop, a lopsided family. Well, I think if Mitchell and Annie were together, then for the season two, you couldn't have had Annie meeting Fingy at the pub, whose name I always forget. Oh, what's his name? Tim. Is also. it Hugh? Hugh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Annie and Hugh, and Annie and. Oh, see, this is what I was saying to you before I started recording. I can never remember a single bummy name. Um, <laughs> the one that tried pulling her through the door. What's his name? That she was dating, who went back to his her place and vanished and stuff. And um, Oh, I can't. Yeah, him. Anyway, it'll come back to me in a minute. It's really bugging me. But... Um, yeah, none of those relationships would have happened if she was with Mitchell, which would have just negated that whole storyline. And then right. also, Mitchell wouldn't have been interested in Lucy, which would negate... So basically, you couldn't have season two, as it was written, if you right. ever let that relationship develop, because then both being single opens up doors to bring other people into the show. 
And I think that's that's part of the problem with it. You can't ever... The only time you could bring those two together would be at the end of the series. So, but, uh, yeah, you can hope. <laughs> um, and can you think of anything else to talk about, Ali, in terms of this episode? Um, um, not I, really. I'm, I have some other, um, I guess later on I was going to talk about, like, the pop culture references. And one of my favorite pop culture references is Annie, when uh, Aunt Sykes is teaching Annie to um, taste food. And they have George helping her, and so she's, um, you know, touching the side of George's head while he eats, so that she can taste what he's tasting, and and then she gets the flash of of his wolf, mm-hmm. and it freaks her out, and so she says, you know, I'm not feeling very well. Can we stop? And uh, and so George kind of freaks out and does this whole like, what am I supposed to do with all this food now? Am I am I just supposed to throw it out? And he kind of runs out of the room, and Annie yells after him. Um, Someone's been watching a bit too much Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> and yeah. I love that was one of my favorite um pop culture references in this episode. I'd forgotten that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. Okay. Um I think what else is in this? Oh, um I I I also this is the episode where uh, Mitchell starts up his uh AA meetings. Yes. Um and I love oh, sorry, it's just it's the well I've said so many times before. It's the intricate way that he, uh, that being human portrays the character. It's so it's it's the closest thing I've seen to a Whedon type show that's not mm-hmm. got Joss Whedon involved in it in terms of the character driven storylines and the whole interaction where the vampire brings that girl in, you know, because you're the boss, you get you know first taste. And he's right. like. Which part of vegetarian was not clear? <laughs> Which part of like no blood? You know, and, and he's uh, like, but but it's but it's she okay. volunteered. She said it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, you don't get it. And then like you think, okay, fair enough. But then you get that brilliant bit where she's like, she needs a bus fare to get home. <laughs> right. It's just those extra little details. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, take her out. If any other show, she would have just left the room and said nothing. But there's that 30, extra 30 seconds to squeeze in of Mitchell just being wound up by the fact that not only have they brought this woman in for him to feed on, but then he's got to pay for her to go home. You know? <laughs> right. And, uh, and yeah, and he starts off his whole, you know, I haven't drunk blood for nine days and stuff. And yeah. And I do like, I did notice that um, there, their first meeting, there were like five of them there, and mm-hmm. I love that Nana was one of the was one of the members that was at his first meeting, and she's the the little old woman who was um who used to sit in the front of the funeral home mm-hmm. and uh and read the little pamphlet. I never spotted the fact that she was one of them. Yeah, she was one of the fr- one of the ones there wow. at the beginning, and I thought that was so funny. <laughs> And I probably only caught it because I watched this episode, you know, like 30 seconds at a time. So I kept pausing it. So I just happened to notice that she was, <laughs> she was one of the ones that was, um, that was in the first meeting. Wow. But yeah, and obviously he tries to get um, Ivan to come on board. And it's quite clever the way he entices Ivan because Ivan is so old that he feels nothing anymore. And he's uh, so desperate for any kind of simulation, you know, uh, right. any kind of sensation in his life. And that's what Mitchell offers him. It's like, well, you know, if you go clean, you'll feel it all, you know, you'll have 200 years of pain to endure. 
Um, but hey, at least you'll be feeling that. Um, <laughs> right. So that's what sort of lures, lures Ivan in. Um, and it's not... Um, oh, and is it this one with Mitch on the 20 questions? Yes. Yes, he tells Lucy, he apologizes for kind of being closed off at their, when they had drinks. And so mm-hmm. he, um, he says he'll, she has 20 questions that she can ask and he'll answer honestly. And she, he answers the first one and she's like, okay, but I've still got 20. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Uh, and the um, first one is she was asking him where, where he was the other night. And uh, he said he was in AA. And so she kind of gives him a hard time about it. Well, she, she calls said, him on the fact that, hey, you were drinking in the pub with me. Right. <laughs> and he says, well, alcohol is not my drug of choice. Yeah. And that it's so much more. The great thing is, is that once you know who Lucy is, those conversations become so much more loaded. Because right. here there's Mitchell being very coy and protective and secretive of the truth. But Lucy knows everything. Right. You know, she knows exactly what he is. She knows exactly what his, you know, poison of choice is, so to speak. Um, and you sat there just, I mean, you're watching it thinking like, yeah, you complete, you because know, <laughs> she's just <laughs> playing him. She's playing him something terrible. And, Although, uh, you know, watching it, I it was hard to tell, like, what part of it was her playing him and what part of it was her actually impressed. I mean, her knowing... Yeah. What his what his drug of choice was, you know, how much of it was her really being impressed that he's actually trying to go clean? Oh yeah, I think, I think yeah, she has a lot more time for Mitchell than Kemp clearly ever does. Right. Um, but uh, but she's still not coming clean with him about what she knows. Um, right. And uh, yeah, but yes, yeah, so I think most of this episode is predominantly Annie and George. I don't think there's much yeah. more Mitchell there's in the, it than um, that. The the Nina. This is the first time we've seen Nina in the decompression chamber. Also, where oh god, they, it isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where they um they go to do her, and then uh, Lucy comes in and says, you know, have you changed anything? What you know, she's gonna explode just like the other ones did. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kent basically is like, well, you know, oh well. <laughs> yeah, well, one less, you know. Right. And uh... and. Uh, and so she convinces she convinces the tech to lower the pressure and just to tell Lucy that that there was a malfunction and she was telling Kemp that you know he'll have a better a better chance of getting George in if he wants George to be their next subject if Lucy's alive and still believing that there's Nina. a chance I mean Nina yeah yeah that there's um that there's still a chance that that they could help okay I mentioned this to um uh, to Susie before but um have you managed to see any of the online stuff that sort of came along no with um season not. two okay it might be worth it. i i think it seemed that the bbc seems to have opened more of it up because i know susie found that she could now start viewing stuff a while back which she couldn't see before and there was a whole bunch of um prequel videos about ivan and daisy um okay um well, there was a prequel video about Ivan and Daisy out in the Far East, which is quite amusing. Um, <laughs> and then you've got this whole um, um, oh, thingy, what's it called? The organisation that Kemp works for. Um, 
I really have got my brain's not working at all. So it's like it's not like sensor or something like that, isn't it? There we go. Yeah, it's sensor. Okay. Yep. Um, the center for something over. There's um Lloyd had a um if, if you've been to it but it's www dot sensor c e n s s a dot co dot uk and it's the centre for the study of supernatural activity and what happened was while they were running the episodes on TV Lloyd was posting on the sensor blog updates on what he was reporting in his diaries you know so like I just randomly pulled one open. And uh, the one where he reports the fact that they thought that Nina was just a sympathizer, but it turns out that she's confirmed as a type 3 werewolf. Um, and Kemp's gone to bring her in, you know. So we we sort of got online this post that Kemp was going after Nina at the okay. same sort of time that the TV show was airing. And before the first episode, I think it was before the first episode aired, there was some... Uh, there was like a sense, you know, that like it starts off with them in the pub. There's a sensor episode of um, like a webcast thing of Lloyd videoing himself sat in the car outside the pub, monitoring, you know, trying to f- track, you know, George and, you know, Mitchell and this sort of stuff. So it's, huh. there's some, I think that one occurs then. I can't remember now. But yeah, so it's worth going back and having a look at some of the stuff because it's, um, 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 I'm sure somebody somewhere has probably got some website which pieces together the episodes, you know, and how the episodes tie up with the sensor broadcast. So what order you should watch, which bits in to fit in, you know. Right. Um, and if not, somebody should go do that. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. That's right. Someone go do that. Yes, not me, because uh, that sounds like far too much effort. But if somebody oh, yeah. out there who's far cleverer than I wants to go do it, then that'd be great. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's worth looking at that that stuff um, and seeing how that that ties in. So, um, okay, I just look, I'm just having a quick glance at the IMDb synopsis to see if there's anything that uh, we haven't talked about that it uh, says we should be talking about. <laughs> nope, no, that pretty much means we've covered it. So, um, anything else you could think of that you want to uh, talk about? Um- well, I didn't know. I I had mentioned to you before about um doing hmm. a, a little segment about what what uh UK uh references did Lisa have to look up for this episode? Yes. <laughs> yeah, cuz this this came about um because I think well, Susie from time to time, if you remember right back to the first episode where Susie and I had the whole, you know, polo, you know, meet the whole <laughs> conversation here. Um well, it's where it became apparent that there are bits of the Being Human script yes. which are obvious if you're British and don't translate <laughs> well, so well if you're not. Um, it started out for me when uh, I was um, I was reading Kinky Claus's Why I Love Being Human story for mm-hmm. um, the previous episode. Yeah. And one of the like the second sentence, she was talking about Annie being so excited when. Uh, when she walked outside and someone driving past or whatever called her a uh, slag, I guess. But yeah. Kinky Claus in her, in the script, in the email that she had written, she said it was like SL star G. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was. So I had to, I had to stop recording 
and look up what even what the word was because I didn't know what what mm-hmm. letter went in where that star was supposed to be. So I had to look it up, and I was all I was fascinated. So it probably took me like twenty minutes to read up on like slag and like where did it come from, and it made me so excited. So I started doing that when I went started going back and watching episodes in season one. I would, you know, when I would hear something that I didn't know what it was, I would pause it and get online and look. So, um, yeah. So, I was so like, you thought oh, it'd be, be fun, <laughs> yes. to, so yeah, for to include this should be a segment, a little bit of a segment before we go to a promo <laughs> yes. around. Um, in fact, why don't we do? Why don't we do wrap up episode four now? Okay. Have a promo, and then we'll come back in the outro, and we'll go into some of this stuff then. <laughs> Okay. So, do you have any final thoughts in episode four? Um, not really. I, uh, I guess I liked the way, like I, I think I said, mentioned it before. I liked the way that it ended with Sykes leaving with the possibility of him coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, probably, it probably is not going to happen, but I liked the fact that they left that open. That he's still out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I like that too. And I think, I think it's, this is the closest I think we've ever come to having a, not only a filler, but uh, all the previous episodes of Being Human through the first season were just like full on all the time, stuff, 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 stuff. This is yeah. the closest I think we've had to an episode where it sort of, you know, cements what's gone before. And basically it's like, it's just the deep breath before they fall off the edge. You know? Yeah. This is the point where everything now is lined up. All the you know the, the cards are in play, and we're just waiting for it to start to all fall into place. So yeah, um, I agree. So no, I think it's good. I think you know I'm looking forward to getting into talking about episodes you know five, six, seven, and eight. So yeah. Okay, so <laughs> let's uh, let's go to a promo, and then we'll come back. Okay. We'll see you later. Okay. I'll see you later, guys. So, Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, man? I'm not an aggressive person, but... Ugh, man, there's just way too much on all I these like channels. Things, but only in-game. Everybody lives roast. Just this one! In your dreams, Nutloaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get vision. Walter, what are you doing? What you learned? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? Okay, so we're back, and we're going to wrap this up by having a quick talk about uh, the some of the pop culture references. And uh, for some stupid reason that I can't quite remember now, I thought it would be far more fun if I didn't know in advance 
what pop culture reference is. <laughs> now, <laughs> I don't know. The, my, my three things that I looked up um, aren't really necessarily um, pop culture references. They're basically just... Um, British English I guess British references. terms. Yeah, yeah, British terms that I didn't know what they were, so yeah. I had to look them up. So we thought it would be more fun to not tell you what you were going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be more spontaneous and yes. Okay. So go for it. Let's see so where we go. <laughs> this, I... <laughs> this might be the shortest segment ever. <laughs> Yay. Well, I know. I looked them all up, so I know now what they are, but I do have like what my guess was before I looked it up. Okay, and you, so, hey, um, I might get it wrong. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so my fir the first one was when Ivan was um, telling Mitchell his story um, that ga that ends up giving Mitchell the idea to make it AA. He's telling him about this alcoholic that he knew um, who went to meetings and was sober for forever, and then he convinced himself that um, advocate advocate yeah was not alcohol. Okay. So I had to stop and look that up. And so my guess before I looked it up was that it was probably like cold medicine or something like NyQuil. But okay. that was not what it is. <laughs> uh, no, it's a liqueur. Yes. Yeah. It's made, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a creamy liqueur made from eggs, sugar, and brandy. Yeah. Uh, I've never had it. Never had any desire to have it. Um, but so it yes. kind of it kind of sounds like eggnog. Uh, yes, okay. I think it probably is very similar. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, try to convince yourself that's not alcohol, given how much brandy is <laughs> in it. It's probably pushing the boundaries of reality a little bit too much. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So my second one was um, nonce. N o n c e. I guess mm -hmm. um, Sykes. Sykes was in the apartment when uh, when George had one of, the, one of the people there about consulting about making the cage, and so George was all offended that everyone thought he was this you know big sex freak yeah. or whatever. And so um, Sykes says, you know, better that they think that you're a nonce than a werewolf. So I had yeah. to look that up, and I was pretty on the money. I thought it was some sort of you know some sort of sexual deviant, <laughs> but it's. Yeah. Uh, Yes, according to Wikipedia, it's a sex offender and or a child sexual abuser. Yeah, it's actually... Yeah, Sykes wasn't being particularly nice to George. <laughs> you know, I mean, because there's... I think most people that George talks to presume that he's just into kinky sex. Yeah, like consensual kinky sex in you know <laughs> Right. In, in terms of S and M and everything else, okay. Um being a nonce is quite an offensive thing for him to imply because it does imply that he uh um well, it it's borderline implying that he's, you know, uh, into little kids. <laughs> right, and, uh, which uh, after episode four for, of season one was yes. a little shocking to me that they would that they would use something that would imply that. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually surprising that Sykes doesn't get more of a reaction from George for using that term of phrase, given everything that's came before. Right. Um, I think it's more because of Annie wanting the, the conversation to go well that reigns. It in and bear in mind, I guess, in that previous episode, it was aimed predominantly at Mitchell rather than at George. 
So right. I think it, you'd probably get more reaction if he Sykes had accused Mitchell of that. You know, that's true. And, um, and, so, and to be fair, Sykes wasn't around for that, so he didn't know. No, but <laughs> Sykes is deliberately trying to provoke a reaction and be generally not nice. So. Right. And then but the it's last. It's not an expression that's used that often. <laughs> and then the so. last thing that I had to look up was. Um, Effing and Jeffing, where George is talking about he had a, one of his Tourette's-like fits in front of his students when he was saying a lesson where they had to repeat what he was saying. Yeah. And so a lot of them uh, repeated it back word for word, you know, effing and Jeffing. And yeah. um, so, and then I had to look that up, and it just basically means swearing or cursing profusely, but I had never heard that before. Yeah. No, I, it's not something that I particularly hear that much in And it, it says, Urban use. Dictionary said it's a, it's a, Rhyming slang on the term effing and blinding, which I've never heard either, but... Um. Hmm. No, I mean, it's, it potentially is used in parts of the UK, uh, but it's um, it's not an expression that I've particularly heard used, at least not where I'm from. The, um, um, yeah. I, the mean, example... I mean, effing, effing is, you can tell people to F off. Right. You know? <laughs> um, so, F... F Effing is pretty obvious, but the effing and jeffing bit is not saying I'm particularly familiar with, but it's the the effing bit pretty much gives away exactly what it's referring to. Right. And the example that they gave on on Urban Dictionary was apparently they used it in an episode of the Ricky Gervais show. Mm -hmm. So that was, (laughs) which I I found amusing. (laughs) Yes, that would sound like the sort of thing that Ricky Gervais would have in his show, yeah. Um, okay. No, that went okay. I survived. Yay! Yay. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, I think we're about done. So, um, I mean, all the usual stuff applies, I guess. I mean, um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love feedback. Feedback would be nice. So, some iTunes stuff would be good. You know, if anyone wants to go write a review on iTunes or give us some little point, like starry type rating things. Preferably nice ones. That would be good. Um, and if you want to you talk know, about how much you like me as the new co-host, that would be great. If you yeah, don't like, of, yeah. if you don't like me as the new co-host, then you know, don't. Yeah, write don't anything. Write but, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, let us all know what you think and yes. stuff and comments and questions. And if you know what the eighth item on the list is, that'd be good. Yes, yes. So, or if you, you have know. a picture, if you have a good screen cap of that. The list mm. with the all eight items, that would be awesome. Yeah, no, that would be good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the um, – I'm trying to think. Yeah, so um, obviously, I mean, look at our website, uh, www.beinghumancast.com, and you can find the contact information there of how to email us. You can send us questions via the site. You can phone us. I think the phone line still works. I haven't tried it for a while. Oh, that would be <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a phone line which um, there's an answer phone on, so you can leave messages, and the answer phone converts the messages into MP3s so I can play them. Um, so um, if Yeah, you, let's get you know, some voicemails. Yeah, so voicemail <laughs> would be good. I don't think we've ever had voicemail. Um, if you send voicemail, it will completely surprise me, so that would be good. Yes. You know? I'll be like, what the hell is this in my inbox? <laughs> oh, it's voicemail. That'd be cool. And we got to so, keep Andy on his toes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so please contact us. Tell us what you think. I mean, we are trying. You know, we've been busily 
I know there's not been a lot of sign of it, but we have been busy working away behind the scenes, trying to get the, the structure of the show sorted out, get a schedule back sorted out again. Obviously, release coming on board, it gives us some extra um, depth and, and breadth to the, the crew. Yay. So um, we're hoping to try and be a little bit more consistent in terms of getting things back out every two weeks like we originally promised we would. So um, we appreciate you guys for sticking with us, and um, we'll... Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with our next mini-episode, which, uh, as we previously mentioned, will be a continuation of uh, Kinky Claus's uh, fantastic fanfic. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, you joining us then. Bye. Bye. Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touch Paper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website, www.beinghumancast.com. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later. Okay.